0: All right. Good afternoon. This is Wendy Carson-Smith. Thank you for joining us. This monthly call is for advanced practice nurses addressing the many issues related to practice. I have structured our hour to allow as much open discussion as possible, but with the hope that we will cover at least one or two issues per month. I do not profess to have an all the answers, but with over 25 years of experience working on advanced practice, I believe I can share my knowledge as well as moderate uh, these calls. I've developed some ground rules with the hope of maximizing our ability to cover issues. The presenter has 10 minutes to share with you pointers, or they can see their time for questions. I will try my best to navigate and serve as a moderator to assure we get to as many questions as possible, you will be placed on mute during the call if you hit star six once you can ask you can unmute to give your name and ask the question. Hit star six once you finish your question to place yourself back in the mute mode um, okay if you um on, oh, mute if more than one person unmute, on state your name. Now I will put you in the queue. I will try to track who requested to speak and and will call on you. Also, I ask that you take a moment to take our survey, which will allow us to better service your needs. The survey may be found on our Carson Company Facebook or LinkedIn page or at www.carsonco.net. Let's talk about APN. And um, and you can do it at SurveyMonkey, HTTPS, www.surveyMonkey.com/s/slash/w2g6bmx. For more information or to listen to past teleconferences, or or just join our email list for the series, join us at www.carsonco.net or at our Facebook or LinkedIn pages for Carson Co. or LinkedIn at Winifred Carson Smith or at Blog Talk Radio or iTunes at Let's Talk Conversations About APNs. Should you wish to speak with me directly, please please feel free to call our office at 202-232-5193 or contact us by email at wycarsonsmith at gmail.com. I am going to mute us right now and put us in the listen on um only mute and you can um unmute yourselves at using star six. Thank you. Today, um, we will discuss APN practice and mobility with a focus on proposed changes to EU, to the European community, while we talk with our speaker, Donna Ray Richardson. Donna Ray is the Director of Governmental Relations and Professional Standards for CGFNS. T- C- Previously, uh, she served as the Community Outreach Director Coordinator for the Women's Health Initiative of the National Capital and Director of Clinical Trial Programs at Howard University Cancer Center that increased minority physician and patient participation in clinical trials. She also served as an Assistant Professor of Nursing and Medicine at Howard University. A registered nurse and attorney, Ms. Richardson is of counsel to the Law Office of Joan Wilbon and Associates. As Director of Government Affairs of the American Nurses Association, she directed the legislative and regulatory policies that led to the um, Nursing Immigration Relief Act and occupational health protections for nurses. Prior to that, she was an attorney at the Department of Labor. She's a recognized speaker and a resource on foreign-educated nurses, HIV policy, women's health research, occupational health for nurses, and clinical trial recruitment. Ms. Richardson was honored by Washington High School in Massillon, Ohio, in 2007 as a distinguished citizen for her career in health and law. I now present to you Miss Donna Ray Richardson, who will give you some opening remarks, and then we have some questions to ask of her. Donna, take it from here. Donna. Donna, are you hitting the star six to unmute?
1: Good afternoon everyone sorry uh, just a few uh, a few things about uh, trade agreements before we get started on uh, the questions uh, that uh, wendy has prepared and uh, they are excellent questions um, trade has been the impetus for migration since time immemorial and it you know it's one of the reasons why the u s uh, was was discovered because explorers were going east for spices and then uh, they thought they were going east and they ended up in the Americas. And then there have also been explorers to Australia, Hawaii, Africa, and that migration has led to uh, globalization. And uh, globalization transcends all boundaries. Uh, And because of this globalization, uh, we have ended up with trade agreements between countries, and, you know, some of them have been informal, some of them have been formal. Um, The General Agreement of Trade and Services was established in 1995. It's referred to as GATT, and it's one of the World Trade Organization's agreements among 140 countries. And the goal was to remove any restrictions and governmental regulations uh covering international trade in services. And there are four methods of service trade. Services supplied is cross border supply, that's international phone like international phone calls, uh consumers use of services in another country, uh that's uh, tourism, company subsidiaries or brands, um, Nestle's, the headquarters, in Australia, and uh, Jenny Craig is part of Nestle's. So those subsidiaries are all over the world. And then the one that uh, we're much more interested in is individuals traveling from their own country to supply services in another. And this movement of natural persons includes professionals, uh in specialty occupations, uh, and especially nurses and other healthcare workers. Um, and the trade policy, the agreements are so that uh, they can promote human welfare. However, um, GATS explicitly protects the production and distribution of services um, in uh, specific areas, and health and education are one of those that are are viewed as being a core governmental uh, responsibility. Uh, So you have some trade agreements that specifically address uh, health care. The EU has one of those agreements. There are a number of agreements uh, since GATT. You've got the European Union. You have the Free Trade Accords of America and uh you have NAFTA the North American Free Trade Agreement and NAFTA specifically mentions uh nurses and healthcare workers and uh NAFTA is between uh Canada uh the US and uh Mexico and then you have CAFTA the Central American Free Trade Agreement which are the Central American uh countries and the US and then you have ASEAN, which is the Association of Southeast Asian uh nations. And ASEAN does not deal with uh professionals at all. It is strictly about uh products and services and manufacturing goods. You also have some mutual recognition agreements, uh like Exacon, which is with among the Eastern, Central, and Southern African colleges of nursing. You have the Trans-Tasman Mutual Recognition Agreement. That's between Australia and New Zealand. And uh, that uh, recognizes nursing as one of the professions that uh, is covered. And then you have CARICOM, which is the Caribbean Community and Common Market and that is the agreement between the uh, Caribbean nations. And it also specifically addresses nursing as it sets up the Caribbean Regional Nursing Council, which accredits the nursing schools in the Caribbean. Uh, It uh, develops the uh, nursing licensing exam, and it works with the individual uh, nursing consuls. And then you have um internal mutual recognition agreements uh here in the united states that uh it, the uh example that we're most familiar with and that we are interested in is the nurse licensure compact uh that has been set up by n c s b n and uh the state boards of nursing And then in Canada, there is a mutual recognition agreement for registration. Um, So uh, that's a very short background on trade agreements. And I'm happy now to uh, address the, the questions that Wendy has prepared.
0: Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Uh, A worldwide nursing shortage has fueled a phenomenon known as nurse migration, whereby nurses from developing countries are hired to fill nursing vacancies in more developed countries. Foreign-educated nurses now make up 5 to 10% of the nursing workforce in Canada, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Where the U.S. continues to look at nurse workforce and supply, the European community is looking at nursing and other health professions as opportunities for migration and economic growth within the EU. The ability of any nurse, prov- of any health provider to obtain credentialing or licensure and move to another country where jobs may be located is believed to be a stabilizing economic force. Nursing in general does not have a history of mutual recognition of professional credentials. Until recently, neither Europe nor the US allowed nurses to move without obtaining new licensure. One barrier to international migration is the lack of standardization of nursing education throughout the world. However, steps to remove this barrier and ease migration are now being taken. The European Federation of Nurse Association is working to achieve a system of comparable degrees for nurses from European countries by 2010. Before going any further, can you give us a brief outline of the process used to facilitate registered nurse immigration for Europe to the United States and share with us whether the RN process differs from the process utilized for nurses in advanced practice?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh one of the thing one of the first things that you have to keep in mind is that when you're talking at the about the migration of nurses there are two concepts and they're separate but they overlap and one is licensure and the second is immigration and so you have requirements for nurses who are migrating to the United States that are required by uh, the Department of Homeland Security, the Citizenship and Immigration Service. And you also have requirements that are from the state boards of nursing. Um, Those people who are coming to the United States uh, on an occupational visa uh, must meet specific requirements uh, that have been set out by the Department of Homeland Security. And those requirements were set out in 1996 by the Immigration Reform Act, and it requires that nurses, registered nurses, and LPNs, and seven other allied health professions uh, must be uh, reviewed uh, by CGFNS. Uh, International. Uh, Those of you who are as mature as I am will remember CGFNS used to be called COGFIN, the Commission on Graduates of Foreign Nursing Schools. Because we do more than nurses, uh, our name was changed to CGFNS International. And uh, those requirements are called uh, the Certification for Healthcare Workers, uh, and they apply to anyone who is coming to the U.S. to work on an occupational visa, whether it's a temporary visa like, uh, NAFTA, the trade NAFTA, uh, agreement among the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, or if it's, if they're coming and seeking a permanent visa, you all, will often hear it called, uh, the green card. And what Uh, CIS has uh, mandated is that those nurses must have their education reviewed for comparability to the entry-level nurse position which they are being recruited for, that uh, if they have ever held a license, that all licenses ever held must be validated to ensure that they're not encumbered and that they must meet uh,
0: mandated
1: language proficiency requirements in English, either by testing or by coming from a country that's deemed exempt uh, from that requirement. Um, A nurse who is coming on an occupational visa cannot get a visa unless he or she has met those criteria um, and if you have someone who is coming to the u s who professes to be an advanced practice nurse and that is what um that is the position that they are seeking um, they must meet those requirements of the entry-level registered nurse initially. And that is because in the U.S., you must be licensed as a registered nurse before you can uh, meet the criteria for an advanced practice nurse. So uh, that nurse, uh, they would be uh, evaluated first as an entry-level nurse. Uh, the Immigration Department would only be interested in their uh, standing as an advanced practice nurse if that's the job for which they have been recruited and they are trying to enter on a visa that is restricted uh, by education. There is a visa called H-1B. It's a temporary visa for three years and it's renewable one time. But a person is only eligible for that visa if the job for which they are entering the country and being recruited, um, at a minimum, requires a baccalaureate degree. So um, the CIS would be interested in an advanced practice nurse's uh, education if they were applying for that visa.
0: Donna, um, when I worked at ANA, there were issues about the clinical nurse specialist and the visa process, in part because um, many hospitals use the term clinical nurse specialist very loosely, and they don't make reference to it as being an advanced practice nursing position. Are there still issues around that terminology and around... um, um, the immigration of nurses into those positions? Um,
1: the issue is is not about uh, whether or not uh, the clinical nurse specialist is an advanced practice nurse. It is about the misrepresentation that some employers have used where they have described um, a nurse uh, as needing a, at least a baccalaureate degree because they're going to be in a clinical nurse specialist role.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, fortunately, CIS has become much more sophisticated uh, and uh, much more aware of the uh, professional terms, and we meet with them on a regular basis to review uh you know, titles and positions and functions. And so um, employers who are trying to use the clinical nurse specialist term in order to have a nurse be eligible for that restricted H-1B visa, they do have to show that that position requires a baccalaureate or more. And in fact, uh some who had been brought over in those misrepresented uh positions uh their visas were revoked once they determined that they really were not going to be functioning as advanced practice nurses but and essentially they were they were going to be a a uh, bedside clinical nurse and as you know were schizophrenic so That means you can have a diploma, an associate degree, or a baccalaureate and and function. Um, Now, the difference is, as I said, there's immigration and then there's licensure. Mm -hmm. And so uh, once you have a nurse and she's got her visa uh, and she has a job offer, if she is looking to practice as an APRN she's got to meet the requirements of the state in which she is going to practice and so the state says that if she's educated outside the US she has to have her credentials evaluated and most of the states require that the nurses go through CGFNS and so we would uh... do a credentials evaluation in which we would look at the education to see if it's comparable um and to look at licensure and some states even uh... ask for us to document their their language we um... would uh... look at their education and The information that we look at are are transcripts, we look at uh, course descriptions and syllabi, and then we also look at the practice acts in a particular country. And uh, for instance, we've had uh, nurses from the UK who have said that they were advanced practice nurses, um, and then when we look at their education, They may be functioning uh, at some level uh, in a position that um, they describe as advanced practice. But when we look at their education, when we look at their uh, licensure requirements, then we, we have made the determination that they are not an advanced practice nurse as determined in the U.S. Um, And so we would say that their education is not comparable. We would say what would be required for an advanced practice nurse in uh, that country. Uh, And we would also say what they need to do in order to meet the requirements for advanced practice in the U.S. Um, In Canada, for instance, We Uh, have the of their advanced practice programs and their education. And so for those nurses who have been uh, deemed advanced practice in Canada, you know, we've been able to say, yes, their education is comparable, um, they've met licensure requirements, and then that advisory opinion goes to the state board. And then the state board makes a determination as to whether – they meet their individual requirements for advanced practice.
0: Now, Donna, does this um, new directive from the European community, the Directive 36, which um, seems to set a standard for practice, does that help facilitate um, your um, processing of European advanced practice nurses into the United States?
1: not really because you this uh the directive is so new in fact they were supposed to be uh voting on it um on the 22nd of May and and because they had wanted to be through with the process by 2013 but the process of um developing and implementing these standards uh, has been so complex, and it's also because it entailed more than just nurses. It was the public, uh, the government, and and nursing uh, that participated in this. And so they came out with like 40 um, items, and um, Directive 36 sets out standards on um, – education how many hours um how many years of study um there's also an alert that uh is to be used to uh communicate whether or not people have um uh valid licenses and um, they still have a lot of work to do in addition to that um we would be looking at their individual education. Um, And because this is so new, across the board in the EU, not all of nursing education um, is the same. There still is not a universal standardization for um, nursing education or for nursing standards. The, the EU directive really will help in the future if uh, they implement uh, the directive uh, with regards to uh, hours and years of study and and focus. But, you know, right now, you know, it's sort of embryonic uh, in its development.
0: so they are not really applying it yet. No, like I said, they, you know, they
1: um they were still uh looking at draft uh language uh in the end of May of this year.
0: Okay then. Well, what is the European Federation of Nurse Associations doing to achieve um some type of comparability in the degrees within the European um, Union communities. Have they started to um, work on covering standardization of APN issues? I mean, of APN education. And if not, what are the factors which will compel standardization of APN education and curriculum throughout the EU?
1: Well um uh, EFN has been very involved in um uh, the development of uh the directives and so they've been uh part of this very convoluted and complex and drawn out and lengthy process and um I talked with uh some nurses uh from Europe uh last week and we were talking about uh, the directive, and that was the thing that they were unanimous about, was that this process was very lengthy, um, very complex, and it wasn't something that was going to happen overnight. Um, Before they can, you know, really get to the standardization of APNs, they've got to get to the standardization of the generalist nurse because um you know uh, even the ICN uh standards um address the, the fact that in order to become an advanced practice nurse you have to meet that generalist nurse requirement and um you know there there are Different standards for education and practice for the generalist nurse. So they've got a lot, they've got as much work as we have to do to address this, this issue. And, uh, right now in Europe, you know, there is no standardization of education and title and scope. Uh, but they're working on trying to do that. But, you know, it is not something that's going to happen overnight. And um, uh, with Canada, at the same time that this is going on with Canada, uh, with Europe, Canada has looked at its licensing systems, its educational systems, and also the fact that they are a large receiver of foreign-educated nurses. And so uh, Canada has done a couple of things in the last year. They have agreed that, um, what is it, 2015, mm-hmm. that the NCLEX will be the licensing examination that will be given in Canada for Canadian nurses. So... Um, Canadian nurse will take the NCLEX and in order to be licensed in her his or her province in Canada, but they will also be able to be licensed in the US because they will have passed the NCLEX agreement. Oh good. The other thing that Canada has done is um at the behest of their government with which has been uh, working on the standardization of occupations and professions, and especially those that require um, additional skills and licensure um, so that um, the requirements would be, not be seen as a barrier but and, and would also be consistent throughout. So... They have done uh, a review of their processes for plumbers, lawyers, engineers, architects, and they are also doing them for nurses. And one of the things that they did do is decide that instead of, you know, different processes in each of the provinces for nurses, they wanted to set up one process they also uh, wanted to set up uh, the format for evaluation and uh, they're focusing on an outcomes based model and they sought uh, credentialing organizations and they looked in Canada and they looked in the U.S. and uh, Last fall, they award awarded CGFNS uh, the right uh, to do that evaluation, and so uh, starting this year, we will be the evaluator of all of the foreign educated nurses coming into Canada, except for Quebec, and. Uh, We will be using one tool that all of the provinces have agreed on, and we will be looking at education, uh, clinical experience, and language proficiency. And so um, that, again, uh, one of the things that they looked at was the agreement that we had uh, with uh, among the three countries with NAFTA. So, mm-hmm. you know, that really allowed them to look outside Canada for a credentialing organization.
0: So it sounds like there is almost an international movement towards standardizations of curriculums at ju- at both the RN as well as at the advanced practice level.
1: Yes, I think that, that is a long-term goal um and what they have discovered that this is you know this isn't a thing where okay you you jump in and you're doing this um with uh the individual countries they have recognized that they it it starts internally and then it goes external to the country because um for a lot of a lot of the countries there there is there is no standardization in a particular country even if there's like national licensure but you know in countries like uh Canada you've got provinces you've got states in mexico um, in um some of the Eastern European countries you have differences uh in education, and uh probably the u k is is probably further along uh than some of the other countries, but you know what they're realizing is that they have to address this issue internally while at the same time they're looking at how they're how we will ever get to an an international standard of education. And then the other issue is the use of titles Mm -hmm. because um, that is also confusing because there there is a recognition that you can't just look at a title. Your example of the CNS is is an excellent one because what – is what a title may mean in one country may have nothing to do with what it means in the US or the UK or in Australia. Uh in there is a trade agreement between Australia and New Zealand that says anyone who is a professional and uh is governed by uh standards uh and regulation in either country will be recognized in the other countries.
0: Now so let's talk about NAF. So they recognized
1: as an APRN in Australia. They're going to be recognized as an APRN in New Zealand.
0: Okay. Let's talk about the National Organization of Nurse Practitioner Faculty, whose board of directors expanded their mission statement to include promotion of quality NP education across not just national but international levels. This action reflected consideration of the increasing development of NP education programs in various countries and an interest in promoting the highest quality of education preparation globally. The board also included a specific goal of globalization in the 2001 to 2004 North Strategic plan so as to establish a priority for the organization to secure the global influence of NP education and the implementation of education guidelines at the international level. Now, with this commitment and with the passage of um, this new policy, has it impacted um, faculty and curriculum outside of the United States substantially?
1: Oh, I don't know about the adverb substantially. I, you know, each of the countries are they are looking at what's being developed, and certainly for those countries like the Philippines, India, Korea, and China, uh, who are looking at migration. Uh, for whatever reason whether it's economic or educational uh, they uh want to ad- adapt their educational process to get the biggest bang for the buck so they are especially interested in what uh is developed in the US and in Canada um and so they have – they are trying to mirror uh our educational processes and standards so that if their graduates want to migrate, that they can, and they won't be held back because their education is deemed deficient. Um, what is – I think one is going to be one of the major challenges will be the clinical uh aspect of the education um, and certainly for our company, when we we have a standards committee for each of the nine professions for which we have been charged to evaluate by the Department of Homeland Security and on those committees are members of the discipline in the practice clinical uh education and regulatory um uh, arenas as well as um public members and those standards um are field tested among the discipline they are Uh, And they're reviewed every year to determine whether or not they're current or or there should be revisions. And we look at all of these um, standards um, and pronouncements from all over the world uh, so that uh, we can include that information in our standards, but also so that our evaluators uh can use those uh international standards uh in their evaluation process
0: well um you just got back from i c n was there much discussion at i c n about this particular issue uh, yes
1: um you know uh there were a number of sessions on advanced practice uh also um i you know I was on a panel, and I talked about trade agreements and then there was a um a uh, plenary on trade agreements um, and um, there you know there is a regulatory network and an education network that are also looking at uh uh these issues um and i know the education network one of the th- one of the questions that they had put out was uh trying to determine how many entry level schools there were and at what level in the various countries and uh, how many graduate programs were there and what were those graduate programs so uh you know I think you know they're in a process of collecting data um and then also then looking at um uh looking at programs and uh there were a number of uh countries who had brochures and things on their graduate programs um, and of course everyone mentioned you know the fact that the affordable care act uh is go- is predicted to result in the need for more nurses at the entry level but also for primary care providers and that and and that the affordable care act uh has included uh advanced practice nurses in that uh category of primary uh, care providers. But there was also an acknowledgement that um, in some countries this is, you know, this is in uh, developmental stages. So um, it's interesting, you know, in the last two years, I think we have only... We've reviewed uh less than ten applications for people who uh, were claiming to be advanced practice nurses and that's because um uh you know they're they're just beginning with that and it's also again looking at um the comparability of the education.
0: Now, in conclusion, Donna, I want your thoughts on this. You've worked in this area for, I'm not going to say how many years. Um, You've seen the trends in advanced practice in the United States, and you've seen what's occurred internationally up up front, very close to it. How do you think all of this is going to shake out? Are we going to get standards with some consistency and how are we going to make adjustments, as you mentioned in the clinical area for cultural differences in the area of nursing practice?
1: Well, I don't think anything is gonna happen like uh before twenty twenty you know I think you know you you have start up time and and you have the the time uh that's needed in order for people to meet the educational uh requirements. I think certainly the Philippines is ahead of the game, uh the UK, Canada, uh, and India's getting there in that their basic programs now are, you know, at the baccalaureate level. But some of the other um countries, you know, they are still uh producing uh diploma graduates uh the associate degree is a US phenomenon so you don't really see that uh internationally um, i also think it will depend upon what really does happen with the affordable care act i think it also depends on what what we do here with our own uh production of nurses and supply you know we you know we're hearing you know everybody's hearing those anecdotal things about 35% of this year's grads uh from baccalaureate programs still don't have jobs what we're seeing uh and it's not just with nurses but with others is that because of the job situation, people are going back to get advanced degrees. So we may, in fact, because of the lack of entry-level positions in in some areas, maybe seeing uh, more of the new graduates going back to get their graduate degrees. And so if that is happening... You know, you know, we might be in the position of producing all of the advanced practice nurses that we need. Um, you know, because you know they they're seeing that as a guarantee that they're they they will have jobs. Um, well, Donna, and, and if the immigration reform bill goes through and visas open up, then we will see entry-level nurses coming into the U.S. um, more than they have in the last six years.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Well, Donna, thank you. Thank you for taking the time out to share your knowledge with us. Uh, We appreciate it, and it sounds like there's an interesting phenomenon occurring. And um, as we move toward expanding scopes of practice, In the United States, it sounds like the international movement will will help take us there as well. Um, But thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. We appreciate it, and um, we cannot thank you enough for being with us. Well, thank you for
1: asking me, and thank you for the uh, excellent questions.
0: Thank you. Before we close, I just want to share with you some of the future speakers who will join us. We actually have quite a robust group of speakers. We are going to have in July either Mary Jean Schumann, who is the Executive Director of the Nursing Alliance for Quality Care, which is a partnership among the nation's leading nursing organizations and consumer groups, and she is an expert on ACOs and medical homes, or we will have Howard Solins who is a lawyer and a principal in Oba Health Law Group and who is married to a nurse practitioner. And he will talk with us about Medicare, Medicaid fraud. I'm trying to figure out which one would be better for July, and I'm inclined to go with Mary Jean and move everybody else because of what is happening at CMS with the the shared savings uh, program. Because they are now in the process of accepting, accepting applications. In September, we have Donna Simp, who is also a principal with Oberkeller, where she focuses on healthcare transactions and regulatory affairs. And she um, is going to talk with us about uh, provider credentialing. That is her area of expertise. In October, Jennifer Flynn, who is the project manager for um, the NSO, will discuss with us advanced practice malpractice. And it is my hope, because they beg for October, that they will uh, roll out their 2013 report on nurse practitioner uh, malpractice at that time. And we do not have a November speaker yet, but we've asked Barbara Saffried, and she's coming in in December, to wrap up the year and talk about regulation and advanced practice. We've asked the um, president of the um, nurse practitioner, the American Academy of Nurse Practitioners, the National Association of Clinical Nurse Specialists, The Association um, of Nurse Midwives and the um, and the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists to provide us with questions for the December session with Barbara, and I think we are to change our format and accept written questions beforehand, so she can prepare and give us the um, best answers uh, possible. And in January, I'm asking those same presidents to come back and to uh, share with us um, what they see as the future of advanced practice. Two of the presidents have agreed, and I'm still working on the other two. So if you all can help me, I'd appreciate it greatly with um, you doing that. Also, before we close, just wanted to update you that since we talked last, Connecticut and um and Illinois have new FTC opinions um related to advanced practice. Connecticut uh requested an opinion on um the uh barriers to practice as they have asked they have created a coalition to ask their legislature to introduce um new legislation or to amend the existing legislation related to barriers of practice and of course the FTC um sided with them and gave guidance on how the barriers of practice are hindering the effective utilization of advanced practice nurses. In the um, matter um in um Illinois um they had a CRNA who was doing a procedure and the Board of Nurse of Medicine wanted to prohibit her from doing the procedure, the CRA from doing that procedure even though they have done it for years and years and years. And um, again, the FTC said that even though they cannot um, give guidance on what advanced practice nurses should or should not do, they do recommend that when considering a bill you seek to ensure that any limits on CRNAs are no stricter than patient protection requires. And they noted that the procedure, I think was a a fluoroscopy, um, had been done for years by advanced practice nurses without any problems. Um, New Jersey and Pennsylvania are trying to get their legislatures to address barriers of practice through through, um, the legislature and both of them have been um meeting with legislators and they have and they are running advocacy campaigns to um get legislators more sympathetic to their um issues and i'm sure you all heard about yesterday the courts in Iowa ruled in favor of nts um supervising x-ray procedures and ana um sent attorneys out there to work with the iowa nurse association attorneys and they got a positive opinion back saying that it was inappropriate for the docs to challenge they did two challenges to board of nursing uh, uh advisory opinions which authorized the procedure also ana is back in court about school nurses out in um California. They don't have enough school nurses per school for the uh children and they are allowing non nursing personnel to uh administer meds and um in particular um insulin and other uh, and other shots um to uh children in the schools and uh, the association believes that's a violation of um the nursing scope and standards. So we got a lot of things going on, and we ask that you um, stay with us, join us each month, come out to our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, you know, tweet us sometime because we are out there on Twitter as well, and just join us with regards to um, advanced practice nursing. Again, thank you for joining us. I don't want to hold us up. It's, it's 102, and I hope to be with you again next month. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you.